but we are glad that you're here. We had a wonderful Christmas Eve service. How many of you came out for Christmas Eve? We're here. Not that a great time? You might notice some wax on some of the chairs. I know I saw that a little bit. We, we had a candlelight service in here, and it was a lovely candlelight evening, um, but we did have a little bit of uh, spillage of some wax that we'll have to figure out, but it was a great night, um, and we're excited kind of leading up to where the Lord's been bringing us as a church. Uh, this morning, taking a little bit of a... Um, a turn, something that's different for me. I usually have slides for you up on the screen and, uh, and all the, the points, uh, but I don't have that for you today. I feel like God's kind of leading us a little bit differently, and I want to be uh, more open to just kind of flow freely. Is that cool with you? Cool. If not, it doesn't matter. That's what I'm doing anyway. But uh, <laughs> um, So we've been on a journey together as a church um, leading up to just... Uh, two weeks prior to Christmas, and we were in a sermon series called Radical. It was really about um, taking your faith to the next level and going, uh, taking your faith back from the American dream and kind of superficial Christianity, and it was really going deeper, and I had some really inspiring uh, and challenging conversations with a number of people who said, you know, this is really good. This is good stuff. I'm, I'm glad that we're going deeper, Pastor. I'm kind of sick of just uh, the superficial stuff, and I'm, I'm looking for something more. I'm hungry for more. I hope that you're hungry for more. But I also had a few people that were like, that's, you know, some of those challenges are, um, you know, particularly from the book Radical by David Platt, uh, they're a little bit extreme. And I gave you a couple of illustrations and some stories um, and, and shared some testimonies uh, with, uh, from the book, some of them that were really about third world uh, countries. A lot of them were some pretty incredible um, stories of God's supernatural grace, favor of the miraculous, but they required some people, normal people like you and I, to take some incredible steps of risks, some real steps of faith, but real risks that, um, that I know and I understand are not common for the Western church. I get that. Have any of you ever experienced, um, let's say, church and maybe God outside of America in other countries? Anybody here ever experienced that? There's a few, okay? So those few... If you've been outside of America, you probably understand what I'm talking about and what I'm sharing right now. If you've never experienced God, Christendom, your faith walk outside of this country, some of what I've been sharing over the last eight or nine weeks prior to Christmas is very, very um, hard to digest. I get that. So we can all kind of agree uh, that the messages have been very challenging, but I warned you they would be, right? Didn't I give you a fair warning, right? Is that good? Gave you a fair warning, um, but that kind of sifts some people out that say, you know, I'm, I don't know that I'm ready for that kind of step of faith, and I get that too. That's okay, but for those who are, um, and I believe God's leading our church to a greater breakthrough like Sean was talking about. I really believe that. But with that, there's a price to be paid. 
right? There's the cost of discipleship. Um, there's the change that families go through, church families, as we grow, as we stretch, all of that. And, and we've been walking through that, and it's been challenging. But I want to kind of encourage you to, to stay the course. And at the beginning of that challenge, and if you're new and you say, well, I don't know what you're talking about, I haven't been there, that's okay. You can pick right up because we're starting, I'm kind of going to recap a little bit today, but we're starting a, a new journey next week that we've been preparing for. And we've been talking about, and so next week we're going we're gonna to dive right in. Um, one of them is, is this little slip of paper here that I have, and I, I talked about this at the very beginning of, uh, of the challenge, that eight-week challenge of Radical, and that was to give you a plan to read through your Bible in a, in a year. And many people have never read the Bible through. Um, many in the American church today don't read their Bibles really very minimally, just a little nugget here or there with a devotional excerpt, and they've never really um, gotten deep into the Word of God, and, and what you need to know about this church is we will always be a church, as long as I'm here, that is firmly planted on the Word of God, period. It's not just going to be um, the latest fad or the hype or the fanfare, it's going to be what does the Bible say, what does it teach us, what is it showing us, how is it guiding and directing us, and the only way to know that is if you get into that, and if you only get into this on Sunday once a week out of seven days, the percentages are not very good for your life to be transformed through the reading of the Word, because if I'm the only one feeding you, you're, not, you're, not, you're going to be very hungry. In fact, you're going to be malnourished, and that's, that's where much of the church in America today is malnourished. So we've got a five-day Bible reading plan, not even seven days a week, only five days. And the reason that is is because every now and then you, you miss a day, right? We're all going to miss a day. So this is a five-day reading plan, Monday through Friday. If you miss a day here or there, pick it up on the other two days. But we're going to uh, invite you... To get on this five-day reading plan, you can take it today. We're going to officially kind of start next week as a church, but they're out there in the lobby. They're at the information desk. They're on the table. They're in different places scattered around. Um, and this is, this is to help you read through the entire Bible or just the New Testament if you prefer that. It's written out both ways in a year. And the Bible reading might take you a half hour a day or so. Uh, and if you break that down into the the 24 hours a day that you have, percentage-wise, it's very little time that we're asking you to give to the Word of God. But this is one of the challenges, a Bible reading plan. We're going to be alluding to this throughout the year in our sermon series, but it's not going to be every week. You know, someone's asked me, well, are we, re are we going through the entire Bible as a church? Uh, not necessarily, but, but in kind of a way we are. So um, if that makes it clear as mud for you. Is everybody clear on that? Great. So we... We're going to encourage you to, to do this together. Um, and I'm not going to come to your house and check and see if you checked it off and did all your homework. But this is for those people who say, you know what, Pastor Craig? I'm sick of marginal Christianity. I'm sick of complacent Christianity. I'm sick of status quo. I'm sick of just going to church and not being transformed. Because if you're just coming to church to come to church to put in time and you're not being transformed because you're only getting fed once a week, then why bother? I hate to say it like this because it's kind of bad for me if you're all not here, but why bother, honestly, right? When we come to church on Sunday, it should be a celebration of what God's been doing throughout your week, 
is throughout the trials, the tribulations, the hardships, the journeys, the ups and downs, the bumps in the road. Anybody have any of those this year? Any, a couple of you, the rest of you lie? Yeah, like hard times in life. And so we go through that, but we talk about at Centerpoint doing that together, doing that journey in a life group or with some type of accountability partner, um, learning how to be, we call it in our men's group, the journey, we call it being self-feeders, learning how to feed yourself the Word of God, how to abide in Christ. And many, many, many Christians, they only have that real intimacy with Christ and that fellowship and that abiding when they come to church. But God's got so, so much more for you that we want you to glean, we want you to grow. Um, when, when my wife and I came here and she had to leave, I think one of our kids was not feeling well. By the way, my, my second oldest turned 20 yesterday. That's two no longer teenagers. Happy birthday. Everybody let them know you're... So I've got now left in the house an 18-year-old, a 16-year-old, and a 14-year-old, and halfway out of the house a 22 and a 20-year-old. I don't know what we were thinking when that happened, but um, just kidding. We're very blessed. We have some amazing kids. Um, so we're, we're now parenting adult children. Is anybody else parenting adult children? So you'll, oh, it doesn't matter if they're 20 or 40. You're always parenting. If you're a parent, you're always parenting, right? And, uh, and then you're grandparenting, which is really fun. Kevin and Kim had a new grandchild. That's the fun part on their babies, right? Uh, so congratulations to you guys on Micah's birthday right? Was it, was it, oh no, it was the 27th. Should have planned that better. Anyway, um, but then parenting young kids still at home. So, you know, I'm not going to give you the illustration that Bubba gave me this morning. We talked about real people sharing real life and he said, well, pastor, I'm just trying to be real. Should I tell him what you shared? No. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Vanessa. You're, you're <laughs> She has a softer heart. She turned five shades of red, but Bubba, we're just real, man, all right? So we like being real here at Center Point, and you can talk to him later about that if you'd like. Um, <laughs> but listen, this journey of life, you know, and, and we were talking about football, and that's fun, and we all like that, and that's good and, and great, but the reality of life, parenting, not parenting, grandparents, single, whatever you are, we are all on a journey, I hope you are, to discover who He is and why it matters in your life today. Who is God and, and who cares? Why does it matter? And we want to teach you how to grow. So when, when Lisa and I came here, our goal was not to grow a church or to have programs that are growing. It was to help people to grow in your relationship with Christ. And when you're growing as a person, you're going to meet up with other people on the journey and they're going to, some people are going to really rub you the wrong way. Does that happen to anybody? A couple of you. Some people are going to tick you off. They're going to irritate you. They're going to frustrate you. And some of those people will be Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ. But we're all on a journey. We want to grow to be more like him, working through our differences. So on, on uh, I believe it was... Uh, the, the day that we had the brunch here, the Sunday before Christmas, Christmas, we talked a little bit about unity and about the fact of needing to be in it together, that we've got each other's back, that we're on this journey together. And there are some people in this church that are, in a room full of people still feel all alone on their journey, like I'm all alone. And I won't ask you to raise your hand, but maybe you're married and you still feel all alone. 
Maybe you're surrounded by people. You still feel all alone in this journey. That's the reality. In fact, the polls say that, that the majority of America feels very lonely today. They're very empty. And I would propose to you that a big part of that is that people have not learned to abide in Christ and discover their identity in Christ and who He says that I am because that affects every other relationship that you have on this planet is your relationship with Jesus. So we want to help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus. That's the bottom line. Uh, but doing that requires us to do it together. Everybody say together. together. Half of you are there. The other half are not quite here. It requires us to do it together. Say together. together. And that's hard because that's where we start to kind of rub each other. But, you know, the, uh, the, the theme of our series was, was radical and I, I get that not all believers are in the same place. There's some of you that are, that are here and you're so on fire for God and you're so hungry for His Word and you've only been really a believer maybe for six months. And some of you that, are, that are, have been serving the Lord for 50 years. And the question is, are you still growing? And how do you grow when you've been in the church that long and you know it all, you've been there, done that, seen that, and you got the t-shirt, right? So... How do you continue to grow in your faith journey? How do you continue to cultivate that relationship with, with God through His Word? And that's really kind of what we're stepping into, but some of these are uncharted waters. I'm very excited about it, but I know that um, as I was talking to, to Mike and Tim this morning uh, about some of the spiritual uh, they just went through like, you know, you ever have one of those weeks that you're pretty sure it was like straight from hell, but you just went through it that week? Uh, and Christmas week was like that for you guys. And, um, you know, briefly from our conversation, you know, you alluded to that a brother in the, in the Lord kind of stepped in and, you know, came alongside and helped out. That's what the church is supposed to be about. And that's why you're not supposed to do it alone. You're supposed to do the journey together. Um, life groups are a part of the togetherness. My life group is, we took a break throughout the Christmas holiday as is most groups, but we're going to be reconvening again next week and we really want to challenge you. If you're not in a life group, take this little sheet of paper that you got when you came in. It's a bulletin. Fill it out. And all you have to write is your name, your email or phone number and say that you're interested in a life group. If it doesn't say it on there, just write it. Life group. And I'll do the best I can to find you a small group to be a part of because you're not meant to do it alone. Next week, we're going to go on a journey that is going to challenge you again even more. We're going to call it the 40 days of transformation. It takes about 30 days, they say, to uh, develop a habit. Um, and I'll explain more about the 40 days next week and why it's 40. But next week, we're going to launch a 40-day journey. So we're going to start uh, next week, I think it's the 5th of January, go to the 9th of February. And for 40 days, we're going to give you uh, some healthy guidance and some tools to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. But that's not going to happen just because you get something handed to you and you say, great, I got this tool, stick it on your shelf and don't do anything about it. It's going to require discipline. It's going to require some effort and some intentionality. 
we're going to talk about things like fasting. I'm going to start next week with that. Wait a second now. Don't be starting to deal with my food, Pastor, because that's a touchy subject. How many of you enjoy eating? I know I do. Please don't give me any more cookies, by the way. That was awesome. I love the sweets. What a blessing they were, but, you know, too much of that. So we're going to talk about prayer and fasting and the cure to unbelief. You know, Jesus' disciples, there was nine of them at the time, and they brought to Jesus a young boy who was an epileptic, and he had all kinds of problems, real problems. And the scripture talks in, in, Matt, in the Gospel of Matthew how he would go into the fire and go into the water, how messed up this young man was, and the disciples brought him to Jesus, and they said, we can't, we can't help this kid. We don't know what to do with him. He's broken. He's messed up. And Jesus said, he kind of chastened his disciples. He's like, what's the problem? What's wrong with you guys? I've taught you what to do. I've trained you how to do it. And you can't do the job that I told you to do as my disciples. And their problem was unbelief. And the scripture teaches us that some things happen only through prayer and fasting. Some of you want to grow in your walk with Jesus, but don't ask me to give up my cheeseburger, man. Right? I know it's awful quiet and I'm stepping on toes, but we want to be real about growing. And some things happen only through sacrifice. And so we've talked for several weeks about giving up and growing. So now we're here. We're ready to say, all right, what are you willing to sacrifice so that you can grow? Because if you want to be my disciple, Jesus said, if you want to follow me, then great. You can, you can pick up your cross and you can die with me. And some of you will embrace those challenges and then you'll dig in and I really challenge you to do that, but you're going to need some accountability. Uh, it's going to be more than just going to church. And if you miss a week, I want you to find out what you missed and pick up on that. But we're going to give you a little book. We're going we're gonna to go through that little booklet together. We're going to talk about prayer evangelism. We're going to talk about servant evangelism and about blessing evangelism. And we're going to start with, like I said, learning about prayer and fasting. And that's really where our relationship with Christ begins, right? Prayer is the foundation. And I hope that we can take you a little deeper into beyond the just, now I lay me down to sleep prayer, or prayer over your food, uh, and that's the only time you pray, but learning what constant communion and fellowship and conversation with God in a relationship is really all about. And I know that many of you say, well, I know that and I understand that, but I, I've been serving the Lord for a long time and, and what I find is the, the more I get to know Him, the more I realize how much I don't know and the more I want to grow and the more hungry I get. So I hope that your hunger will be increased. And if you're not hungry for the Lord, I'm going to challenge you and dare you to take these challenges anyway because I believe that your hunger will begin to intensify for Jesus and grow. And why does all this matter? Because we want to be a growing people, a growing church, right? And we want to impact our world for the cause of Christ. So I want to just um, recap a little bit and kind of set the table for next week. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. If you have your Bibles, you can look in there with me again. I usually have all kinds of stuff on the screen. Nothing for you today but your Bibles, which you can find in your phone. If you don't have that app, you can go to our website and find that app on, on our website. 
By the way, our new website, centerpointme.org, we don't have um, the app that we used to use. We got rid of that, but the website is laid out much like an app, um, so it really works well on your phone. Uh, but you can get the Version Bible app right through our website and get the Bible right there. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says this, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Familiar passage of Scripture, many of you have heard it before. Lord, I pray in the next few minutes you would absolutely capture our hearts, our mind, and our attention, that you would speak to our hearts, I pray, and through your Holy Spirit you would transform our minds, our way of thinking, our hearts, our way of feelings, that you would, you would transform us to the men and women of God that you're calling us to be through your word, in Jesus' name, amen. So... We learned that Christianity basically remains a theory until you put it to the test. Jesus claims that whoever finds his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will what? Find it for my sake. So the only way that you and I will ever know if his claims are true is if we put them to the test, right? That's the only way we'll know. If the word is true, do you really trust me? Oh, sure, I trust you, but I've got to do this, and I've got to do that. And, and I don't know about you, but I've found that trusting God is a conscious, um, intentional effort for me, if you will, to surrender and to sacrifice my will to say, Lord, I trust you. And it's constantly going on. All right, if you trust me, Craig, then trust me. But I want to take things into my own hands, and I want to fix them, and I want to take care of things. And I, right? Isn't that our human nature? So trusting God is, is, is a constant effort to surrender my will to His will. Not, not mine will, but yours be done. So many who are involved, as, a, as we said in the American church, um, we're very comfortable living with theory instead of reality. And corporately and individually, I think collectively as a church, um, we've kind of settled into a form of godliness, but God wants to take you deeper. And my, my goal is that we would, instead of just look godly um, like mannequins, that we would recognize that we are the living, breathing bride of Christ. And what does that look like? How does that look? Um, this is where we're going. This form of godliness keeps Jesus as theory and the world accepts this definition, definition of Christianity without, you know, too much bother. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're a Christian. That means you go to church on Sunday. So what? Oh, you're a Christian and you don't have to tell me that because I can see that your life is different. You're a Christian and I can tell that you are because... I, I see the fruits in your life, or I see the love in your life. I see how you treat your spouse. I see how you deal with your children. I see how you deal with people who rub you the wrong way or irritate you, right? Not, oh, you go to church on Sunday. That's not what makes you a Christian. That's a form of godliness without really being the bride of Christ. So we're... I. 
I, I so much appreciate you, Sean, leading wherever you went. I don't know where you went. Um, when you shared this morning, because that was, that was from the Holy Spirit, and I didn't know what you were sharing, and the Lord gave you a word. But we are in the church in America today, and, and even our church, I'll say, we have lacked in the demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit that God has for us. And that demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit is what is, it's what the world is looking for. They're not looking for a form of godliness. They're looking for a people who have been transformed by the power and the demonstration of that power in their lives. You're a Christian, so what? What does that matter? And how is your life different? You have authority in you through Jesus. You use that authority in your daily life. You speak blessings over your family, over your job, over your spouse, over your kids, not because you're all that and a bag of chips, but because of who you are in Christ and who He is in you. You speak those blessings. You take authority over the enemy. You recognize that you're in a spiritual battle like we talked about this morning, right? It is a spiritual battle and there's a war that is raging to destroy you, to take your attention away and to distract you from Jesus. Everything that the enemy is out to do through, even through relationships, through jobs, through career, through whatever it might be, is all a ploy of the enemy to get your eyes off of Jesus. Well, we can't just live in a little bubble, Pastor, and pretend that everything's all good and well. No, it's not all good and well. The Bible tells us, Jesus said, in this world you will have what? Tribulation. Trouble, tribulation, difficulty. That's the reality of it. But that doesn't mean that we as Christians walk around with this defeated mentality. Because we're not defeated. Christ has overcome. And if He is in us, then we are what? Overcomers. So we have to live like that, walk like that. Doesn't mean that you won't have hard times. It doesn't mean that you won't get knocked down sometime. That's why you have other people alongside and say, hey, I know you just got knocked down, but here I am. I'm your brother. I'm your sister. Let me help you up. When you have questions, you know, my friend Terry called me this week. We talked about the worry. He's like, hey, I got an issue dealing with a, a friend. It's a work. It's a blah, blah, blah. And be able to talk with fellow brothers, right? That's, that's, we need that. We're not meant to do it alone. We're supposed to do it how? Together. So we're not to look like the body of Christ. We are His body, the living, breathing, Holy Spirit, energized bride. We are, he is alive inside of you. If you've accepted Christ into your heart to be your Lord and Savior, don't just say, oh, I'm a Christian because I go to church. I'm a Christian because Christ is alive in me. His spirit is alive in me. Well, that's hard to explain to someone who doesn't understand that, right? The best way to explain it is your, your testimony. How, how has it changed you? So what? Why does it matter? There are five, five components that I believe will turn your life upside down. I gave you these at the very beginning uh, of our challenge that we started, and I'm going to challenge you to, to one-year commitment. And this is kind of why we did one service, one year, one family, one commitment. And these are the five things, and, and I'll give them to you in written form next week. You'll have them in a little brochure that will get you. But basically, number one, pray for the entire world. Pray for the world. Pray for unbelievers around the world. Number two, read through your Bible in a year. That's a great start right there. You can take it home. January 1st is coming up, right? I think we're going to have a, 
a snowstorm, maybe some ice. It would be a great day for you to stay home and say, I'm going to read my Bible for an hour tonight. What a great way to ring in the new year, right? You can certainly fit that into some Bible reading, I'm sure. Sacrifice. Here's another way I'm going to step on your toes. Sacrifice your money for a specific purpose. What does that mean? What does that look like? There'll be sacrifices. The next thing is another big one. I want to encourage you to commit some percentage of your life, whether it's 1%, 2%, whatever it is, to missions, missions work. Maybe it's missions overseas or missions right here locally, a missions project, a, some type of total God mission. And we're going to be challenging every life group to do this as well. Another great opportunity, get into a life group and you can serve together on this mission. If you haven't given of your life selflessly or sacrificially to serve others for the sake of bringing the gospel to them through whether it's raking leaves or cleaning a yard or putting a roof on to bring the gospel, you are missing out on one of the greatest joys that you'll ever, ever be able to be a part of. And then the last thing is finally to join, join a multiplying group. So I got a special guest here that I flew in all the way from a long way away, and I want to give him a minute to share in a minute, so be ready back there in the back. Some of you are like, who is it? You'll see. You'll see. Uh, so God has to begin His work of grace, and He's calling each of us individually for that. Uh, it's a one-on-one -on -one calling between you and Jesus, and it's, it's, act, it's individual, but as we see in Scriptures, it was for all of His disciples. But for those who have really, really answer the call to be a radical follower, which I, I hope is, is many of you here, um, we begin to understand that we pray, but we don't pray alone. We read God's Word, but we don't read it alone, and we, we get other people or godly leaders who can help us learn how to live out the Word of God. Don't you want to read the Word and say, okay, why does that matter in my life today? What in the world does that Old Testament passage have to do with my... So that's what, that's what we're talking about. We spend our, the context of our time differently than just the ordinary person, realizing that your days are numbered, mine are numbered, they're marked. I might not have tomorrow, so I want to live each day that I can all for the glory of God as a father, as a husband, as a, as a worker, whatever I am, I want to realize that I spend my time differently. And understanding that being a part of a multiplying community of faith is critical. Um, would you come real quick this morning? Um, I, it's Brian Finnamore that I flew in all the way from um, Main Street in Waterville. He came all the way here. Um, just kidding. I do like your shirt this morning, and I'm glad Thanks. you wore that just for me. So, Brian, come up, come up here because you're vertically challenged like me. I want people to see you. Um, so I just want you to know that I just added the Uversion Bible apps to the website under live stream. Oh, good. So that was there before. Kills me. I always do that yeah, to you, right? No. You change the website and you see you guys, I keep you on your toes, don't I? He's amazing. Lord. So Brian, if you don't know him, he is our uh, media and tech guy and he oversees all the stuff that you see on the screen, does website stuff, and, and I appreciate so much his gift of technology because you guys all know from my Facebook post a few weeks ago, I am technologically illiterate, and that's why I have friends like this. Help me, Brian. I don't know how to use a stupid smartphone. Anyway, the point that I want to make is you, you shared a... a, a um... I'm going to stop posting on Facebook. 
Well, I don't read a lot of posts, but I happened to see that one, and I thought, you know, that's a great post. Why don't you share that with us? Um, I thought that was very cool about the needing each other. Sure. So if you didn't see my post on Facebook, um, I found a really neat story that really summed up our Christian life, and it has to do with bearing fruit. And if you have ever tried to plant fruit trees or anything, you know there's this thing called pollination. A lot of your fruit trees need other fruit trees, whether it's like multiple apple trees or an apple tree and amongst other trees, to have cross-pollination. Mm -hmm. And so I thought this little story was really neat because it really explains that if we as Christians want to bear fruit, it's not a self thing. Now, we do need to learn to self-feed, right. and there are trees that self-pollinate, but they still need that good root base. And for us, it happens to be that Again, uh, as Christ said, we are branches to his vine. So we need to first be part of that vine. And then, as we're bearing fruit, we may need to be the cross-pollinator for another piece of fruit. So yeah. in about three weeks, we're starting up life groups again. And Pastor Zach's not here, or he would be telling you this. And he's watching online right now. Um, because he just texted me when somebody said something about, you know, the version. <laughs> He's always watching out for me. He's got my back. So it's the second full week of January. So the week of January 12th, we're going to be starting up life groups again. Mm -hmm. So, and a life group is a group of people helping each other to cross-pollinate and to bear fruit. And it can be ugly because, hey, we're real people, right? And sometimes things get ugly. But that's okay. You need to give yeah. yourself permission to be ugly. Be real, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I know for me, it helps me. My wife actually notices a difference in me when I spend time with other men from the church. Mm -hmm. um, whether it's coming here and setting up the chairs and measuring distances and just having a grand old time that way or whatever men's breakfast she notices a considerable difference in my countenance and attitude and it's mm -hmm. what do we spend time doing yeah. um so that's little story kind of struck me and i thought that it might help you as well so, so. that that the story about the orange tree was yeah. he, he planted the orange tree. Lemon tree. The, it was a lemon tree. And it wouldn't do anything. No so fruit. No fruit. He no fruit. pruned it. He fed it. Nothing. So he gave up on lemon trees and planted an orange tree. Well, guess what happened? That orange tree helped pollinate the lemon tree, and that lemon tree gave forth a really huge, bountiful fruit. Lemons were falling off the tree. And so that's what we need. We need each other. And yeah. uh, we need to pollinate each other. Um, awesome. You giving in to me, me giving in to you. That's right. So, thank you, Brian. I appreciate yeah. that. Um, not that, yeah. We probably won't be planting any orange trees here in Maine, but in Florida, that would be a wonderful thing. So, if we're going to live in radical obedience to Christ, we've got to do it together. Uh, and it's how how we encourage others and how we are ourselves encouraged. First Peter chapter 2, 9 says, you are a chosen people, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We're not called to go to church, we're called to be the church. And this is a, such a critical and important attitude that all of us 
have to understand, uh, and it's very, very easy to become complacent in our obedience to Christ um, by just going to church and not being the church. I began to share the story um, over a month ago when we started this series, but I never really finished it. Finished it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share this story now and begin to kind of wrap up my thoughts for today about a life-saving station. And we can picture this living on um, near the coast anyway, near the water here in Maine, on a dangerous seacoast where, where shipwrecks often occur. There was once a crude little life-saving station. The building was just a hut. There was only one boat, but a few devoted members who kept constant watch over the sea. And with no thought for themselves, they went out day and night, tirelessly searching for those who were lost at sea. Some of those were saved, and various others in surrounding area wanted to become associated with the station and give their time and money and effort to support its work. New boats were bought and new crews were trained. The life-saving station began to grow. Some of the members of the life-saving station were unhappy that the building was so crude and poorly equipped. It was kind of pathetic looking and they felt that they needed a more comfortable place. So they should, uh, <clears throat> a comfortable place should be provided as the first refuge for those who were saved at sea. So they replaced the emergency cots with beds and they put better furniture in a larger building. They began to expand. Now the life-saving station became a popular place for gathering its members and they decorated it beautifully, they furnished it exquisitely, and it became kind of a club of sorts, if you will. Fewer members were now interested in going out to sea and saving those who were lost. So they hired lifeboat crews to do the work. The life-saving motif still prevailed in this club's decor, and there was a symbolic lifeboat in the room where the club initiations were held. And about this time, a large ship was wrecked off the coast, and the hired crews brought in boatloads of cold, wet, half-drowned people. They were dirty, and they were sick. Some of them had black skin, some yellow skin, and some of them looked different and smelled different. The beautiful new club was in chaos. So the property committee immediately had a shower house built outside of the club where the victims of the shipwreck could be cleaned up before coming inside. At the next meeting, there was a split in the club membership. Most of the members wanted to stop the club's life-saving activities as being unpleasant and a hindrance to the normal social life of the club. Some members insisted upon life-saving as their primary purpose and pointed out that they were still called a life-saving station. But they were finally voted down and told that they wanted to save lives of all the various kinds of people who were shipwrecked in those waters, they could begin their own life-saving station down the coast. And so they did. As the years went by, the new station experienced the same changes that had occurred in the old. It evolved into a club, and yet another life-saving station was founded. History continues to repeat itself, and if you visit the coast today, you'll find a number of exclusive clubs along the shore. Shipwrecks are frequent in those waters, but most of the people drown. Oh, Craig, that's just a story. It's just a, well, it's a really good illustration and analogy of what can happen to our churches, isn't it? We're supposed to be life-saving stations. You and I are called to bring life to a hurting, 
and broken world, to people who are drowning without Jesus. And I, I want to challenge us again in the, the, the aspect of being together. Uh, don't forsake the assembling of the brothers. We need to be edified in worship. Uh, we need to come together. Uh, and, and this is a great time to celebrate and to rejoice. But it's important that we don't allow apathy, complacency, or ritual uh, to take place in our hearts as people are drowning all around us. God's called you and I right here in Waterville to let our light shine, to realize that we've got a mission that God has called us to. And how can the church best impact our world for the cause of Christ and bring hope to a community that is greatly in need? Uh, it doesn't take long to realize that our community is, is broken. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 10. This is the last scriptures I'm going to read in closing this morning. Once, 2 Peter, sorry, 1 Peter 2, verse 10. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Verse 11, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits. The key words there are see your good deeds. Live such good lives. In other words, you weren't saved to go to church. You were saved to be the church. Let them see that in our lives. Throughout the history of mankind, God has chosen to call out not just individuals, but a people. The people of center point, I believe. The people of God. He told the Israelites, I will walk among you and be your God and you will be my people. Through Christ, God destroyed the dividing wall between the Jews and the Gentile, and He created one body, one people, where each member belonged to all the others. We belong to each other. If you're a part of this family, a part of this body, and some feel like we don't, you don't belong yet, I want you to hear my heart. You belong here, and God's got a plan for you here. And it's important that we help people feel loved, that they feel a sense of, of acceptance and a sense of belonging here. Come just as you are, dirty clothes and all, right? Different shapes, sizes, colors, whatever it might be. But don't forget, if you're a believer, don't forget who you belong to. When we hear the words like chosen, royal, holy, our self-worth kind of automatically goes up a notch or two, right? This is what it says in the scripture, chosen, royal, holy. But you have to realize it's because of who chose you. Understand that, church. It's because you are the adopted son of a king and you're holy because someone else gave their holiness. God's got a plan for you. In other words, this worth only occurs as you realize, and this is so important. You belong to God. He chose you. And so many people, so many people struggle with their walk in Christ because of low self-esteem, poor, poor self-esteem, identity crisis, not knowing who they are. And it's not that we walk around with this arrogant, pompous, you know, conceited, haughty spirit. Look at it like this. I bought my son, my youngest son loves 
the New England Patriots. He's got his room all decorated. I can go to Five Below and buy a really cheap poster there for $5 or less with Tom Brady's picture on it, right? Or, or Rob Gronkowski, whoever. But I can buy a piece of paper, a cheap poster for less than five bucks, right? If I take that same poster and I have Tom Brady sign, whether you like the Patriots or not, I'm sorry. I know, Bubba, you, you, you got another team. But, but if I have Tom Brady sign that piece of paper, what happens to that cheap poster? It, it, <laughs> Bubba says still cheap. He's a little bitter about his team not making the playoffs, but we won't go there. Um, listen, if, if Tom Brady signs that, whether you like it or not, that cheap $5 poster just went up to thousands of dollars, right? That's the truth of it, and why? Because of who signed it. God signed my life, and he signed your life with the blood of his son, Jesus. And he said, you belong to me. So I want you to hear this morning that you belong to God. Listen to this in closing. This is so important. Uh, I, didn't, I wasn't going to read this, but I'm going to. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. You do not belong to yourself anymore. You have been purchased, you have been bought, and because you belong to the one who chose you, the king, the holy one, you have worth. Therefore, honor the one who gave you worth with his life, and how can you not be bound together with others by this purchase? The brothers and sisters who have also been bought. That's why we cannot be uh, in, in brokenness. We, we have to be in one accord. You have to be united with your brothers and sisters in Christ. The unity of the body is essential, right? How can you not? Some of you have been beaten down this year, but you're not destroyed, right? But God, I want you to remember, some of you have been discouraged. You're without hope right now. I want you to hear this, this word this morning. You've been chosen. God is not done with you. He's got a purpose for you. He's got a plan for you. You belong to the body of Christ. Maybe you don't go to this church. You go to another church. You belong to the body of Christ, right? I don't care if you're from California, if you're a believer. You belong, and God's got a plan and a purpose for you. It's your job to find out what that is and to realize God has still got a work for you to do. Amen? Amen. I, don't, I don't know what you've been through. I don't know where, some of you don't know where to turn. You're confused. You're disenfranchised. You're frustrated. You're lost. You're wandering aimlessly. I want you to know that God is looking down upon you. He's got a plan for you. He allows seasons of wilderness journey. He allows you to go through some of that stuff in life, but the whole time he's beckoning you. He's saying, listen, look up. Look to me. Find hope in me. Find direction in me. Find comfort in me. Don't look to the world. Don't look to programs. Don't look to things in this world that have nothing to offer. Look to me. Look to him. Amen? Amen. Stand to your feet with me this morning. Let's close in prayer. I want to really challenge you this week to pray up and get prepared and get ready because uh, this is an exciting seven-week journey kind of tapping into where we just came from. And we're going to give you some practical tools to help you learn how to abide in Him and learn how to find your purpose and your function and realize that you, you're a lifesaver on a mission with me. You may say, Pastor, I don't have any of my crap together. How am I going to help others? It's all part of it, man. It's all part of it. And we grow as we're helping others, right? 
Let's bow our heads this morning. Lord, we love you. We thank you that you have an amazing plan and purpose for each and every person that calls themselves a believer. I pray for those this morning who are feeling lost and feeling hopeless, that they would discover who they are in Christ. Lord, those that have just been through it this year and, and are here this morning, maybe at wits and ready to throw in the towel. Lord, I just I speak life into them through your Holy Spirit today and purpose and breakthrough as we heard today that this is a year of breakthrough. And as we go into this, this new decade, into 2020, I pray it would be the year of the fear of the Lord, that you would bless them, God, and that they would learn to be a blessing to others, that, that our lives would multiply into others because of your Holy Spirit's work inside of us. Lord, prepare us. I pray for a blessing over this church. I pray for all the churches in this area, Lord, the, the Bible-believing and God-fearing churches that are preaching the word, that, that we are united together in one accord, that we, you would use the body, the bride of Christ in the greater Waterville area to spread like a wildfire to truly impact our community for the cause of Christ. Lord, I lift up our first responders, law enforcement, those who are on the front lines. I pray for a blessing. Send believers, more believers to minister and to encourage them as well, I pray. We thank you for it. God, be with your people today as we go our separate ways. And may your Holy Spirit shine upon us and shine through us in this new year. Keep us safe throughout this week. In your precious name we pray. And all God's people said... Amen and amen. God bless you as you go. Greet someone on your way out. We'll see you at 10 o'clock next Sunday morning.